Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. We are recording, sir. Cool. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and joining me is my uh, co-pilot and the person who decided to wear the exact same clothes as me today, Joshua Gray. <laughs> it's weird how that happened. I like I getting dressed, and I'm like, oh, I haven't worn this uh, this shirt from the National Veteran Wheelchair Games in quite a while. I'll, I'll put that one on today. And I knew you wore this one last week, so I'm like, ah, oh, John probably won't wear this. Yeah, no. <laughs> We did not come in coordinated. We're not wearing a, a uniform today. That's no, no, no. <laughs> well, if there's any uniform we're going to wear this week, it's going to be uh, Friday. Yeah, Golden Ice jerseys. Golden Ice yeah. jerseys. Cause going to the Stanley Cup, baby. Celebrating the beginning of the Stanley Cup. Final. Yeah, final. and uh, finals. No. Stanley Cup final. So No S. Hopefully by the time this, uh, this airs, we will uh, be into, well, game one will be starting, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, because this will come out on Friday morning. Because we're recording on Wednesday, yeah. which is kind of a oddity for us. But, yeah. So what do we got on tap today? So we're not going to talk about hockey today. Well, we, uh, we, to- we can't talk about hockey this whole game, this whole time? <laughs> we'll set up another podcast. No, we actually have another really exciting topic to talk about this week. Um, so with the beginning of June, uh, June is Pride Month. And it's a topic that I don't think we've covered on the podcast before. We have not. First but, time. Um, yeah, and yeah. really excited about this. So joining us today, we have two new guests. We have Teresa Hanshu and we have Sora Lee. Now, Sora, you are the um, Special Emphasis Program Manager for the LGBTQ Plus Program. Correct. And Teresa, you are the Patient co- Care Coordinator. Yes. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, what got you involved with this program, and um, working at the VA. Okay, well, first of all, I am a veteran. That's one of the facts that I'm very proud of. Um, I uh, spent six years in the military, became a nurse, and then uh, started working at the VA before the VA was even built here. Um, Started out with uh, Nellis. Um, Then uh, 2016 came and they put out a uh, request for interviews for the Veterans Care Coordinator. So I'm like, oh, let's give it a try. I didn't even know it existed. So uh, I applied and got hired. So it's a uh, uh, co-commitment. And I've been doing this since 2016. And I've seen so many changes that it's just amazing how open and accepting the VA has become. And Sora, how about you? Um, I am a clinical dietitian. I um, actually graduated UNLV and got the internship at the VA. So I was very excited about that because I have family and friends who are veterans. Um, They are very close to my heart. So uh, when I got the internship, the first day uh, at orientation, I said, how can I work here? And my now boss said, not a lot of openings come out here. So we don't know. And I said, I want to work here. So that's how I started my internship, finished the internship, um, passed my exam. And as soon as I passed the exam, I was called in for an interview and got the job here. That was five years ago. So I've been with this VA um, in North Las Vegas for almost six years, including the internship. Um, I decided to volunteer for the special, special emphasis program manager because I wanted to represent and 
and serve our veterans as well as our employees at the VA. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about Pride Month. Why why is June Pride Month? Sorry, you want to take that one? Sure. Um, <laughs> Pride Month um, is a month where we celebrate and commemorate the LGBTQ plus community, their culture, the history. It all began 1969 with the Stonewall uh, uprising. That's when the LGBTQ uh, people protested the violence from police. And that's kind of how it started. And June is designated for uh, Pride Month to celebrate that and also honor our LGBTQ community. Uh, the VA has done, you know, a lot in the last, I've been here for five years and I've seen so many different, um, you know, ways of celebrating Pride Month through the VA. Um, what kind of things do you guys have going on this year? Well, this year, um, this will be the first year ever that the uh, VA Southern Nevada is going to have a uh, inclusivity flag unveiling, which, uh, yeah, which is really wonderful that we have finally been allowed to do that. It's not exactly what we want, but it's better than we got last year. So we're, we're working on that. We're still working on that. And then we have so many other things that are happening. So we are uh, unveiling the flag inside the VA hospital tomorrow, which is June 1st. Uh, we also have uh, a town hall that we are scheduled for June 21st on a Wednesday, 11 a.m. to uh, 2 p.m. We're going to have um, beverages, uh, snacks, as well as a uh, display of veterans' uh, arts and crafts. Um, as well as the panelists, uh, where veterans get to kind of share their story. We will also have a giveaway table, as well as um, informational handouts for veterans, as well as um, just information to kind of uh, get the community involved. So, Teresa, you said, you know, in kind of your intro there that you've seen things change a lot. Yes. Um, as, as you've you've worked here over the years. Uh, for folks who may not know what things used to be like, uh, you know, I've, I've only been working here at the VA for five years and it's always seemed very inclusive to me. Um, tell tell folks a little bit about what it used to be like if, if they don't have that that basis of knowledge. And and if you don't mind, elaborate a little bit more on, you know, that that change and, and how that makes you feel. OK, well, I started here back in 2004 um, and at that time. Um, I was in a relationship, but I was not out to my co-workers, nor was I out to my doctor. It was um, uh, fear, fear-based. Um, so time went on and, and I got to this thing where, okay, if you ask me, I'll tell you. But if you don't ask, I'm not gonna tell because I don't know how you're gonna react. I don't know how my family, my friends are gonna react when they find out. Um, so it was an unspoken thing. And this went on until, well, shoot, went on until about 2014. Uh, 2014, um, I was getting married to my now wife. And um, unbeknownst to me, my coworkers, my doctors, everybody, threw a wedding party for me at work. And, and it was just amazing. And I look back now and it's like I lived all those years in fear 
because coming out of the military is like, okay, I was in the military when you didn't start, talk about it. Being gay was a reason to get discharged. And coming into the VA, I was like, well, is this going to be the same kind of thing? Is it going to be the same closed off thing? Because it's the federal government. Little did I know that coming here and finding this family that I have, even today, um, it was amazing. It was just the party. I don't cry. I don't cry, you know, but <laughs> but that party, not only was I crying, but everybody else was too. It, it was just amazing. So what does it do for you to, to realize that you actually have that kind of acceptance, especially when you didn't you didn't anticipate it? What it has made for me, it's made it much easier to take care of my veterans because I wasn't in during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I wasn't in when they did away with that. But I was in prior to that where it was nothing but fear. So the veterans coming to us today, um, if they were in during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, I can relate to that. I can understand that fear. I can understand the uh, the kid gloves that should be used handling these veterans, not handling, but, but taking care of these veterans. Um, the newer generation that have it easy these days, um, well, not easy, but where they can be open. It, there's a lot more acceptance. There's right? a lot exactly. more acceptance. Yeah. So it makes it easy to deal with all of these veterans. And, and uh, I'm grateful for that experience. Yeah, and for, you know, Josh and I, we both served during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and then we were both still active duty when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And I know that I had friends who were, you know, closeted. You know, they, mm -hmm. they couldn't tell certain people or, you know, people in their command structure about who they were. And, you know, I know that that day in 2011 when, you know, that finally was repealed and people were able to be out and, you know, they were able to, to form those support groups and, and have a community where they could, you know, be themselves and, and live openly. I know that was a, you know, a huge celebration uh, for those people. But, yeah, you, you brought up the, the people who weren't able to experience that during their time in the military. Um, you know, how important is it to have that a community within the VA for those veterans? Well, I, it, it's very important to have a community uh, here at the VA. Um, just basic acceptance is, is what is what we want is just basic acceptance and i think for the most part we can find that here in the va because because we have people like sora and myself that um we're trying to go that extra mile so that everybody not not just lgbtq but black hispanic everybody can find that inclusivity and, and that feeling of family because a lot of us um a lot of us lost family we lost family when we came out of the closet, you know, and, and having another family replace that, whether it's in the VA or it's in the community, that's what's important. Sora, when you got involved with the special emphasis program, because uh, you said you're, you're fairly new in this role, um, what did you learn about the other veterans and other um, uh, staff members who, um, you know, are members of the community or, you know, do you feel like a, a special sense of duty when you when you took on that role? 
Yes. So when I uh, first volunteered, I was uh, very excited, but I was told that there were no committee members. So someone who was going to share the workload and put in the work with me, get the word out. Um, and that was discouraging. But once I reached out to Teresa, we had an army of people who are not just and part of the community, but also allies who would love to be part of it, to support it, to, you know, uplift our community. And that's one of the things that I think I've noticed more is there, there's more allyship, right? You know, you, you see a lot more people who maybe aren't a part of that community, but they have loved ones who are and they want to be outwardly supportive and, and, and take those roles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for for people who you know consider themselves allies but are not part of the community, what kind of things can they do in their day to day life or you know in the workplace to to make a difference? So personally, for me, I think we could apply some of the training that we already received, uh, like the training we received for disruptive behavior. If someone is whether it's a veteran or a coworker who's being verbally abusive towards someone who is part of the community they could stand up for them, they could protect them, they could um, stand with them, talk to them, comfort them, and also report these kind of um, inappropriate behaviors, as well as um, being a buffer. Sometimes veterans may not be um, as accepting, and when they um, don't approve or make comments that are uncomfortable, those other um, co-workers could really definitely be help in cushioning some of those uh, difficult situations. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We're talking about Pride Month. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs with this message for veterans. If you're a veteran having thoughts of suicide or know of a veteran at risk for taking their own life, call the new Veterans Crisis Line number, 988, then press 1. It's available 24-7. This shorter, three-digit number provides an easier-to-remember way to access the Veterans Crisis Line which links to over 500 VA suicide prevention coordinators. Suicide prevention is VA's top clinical priority. And in the words of VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, during a crisis, every second counts. This new number, he says, makes it easier for veterans and those who care about them to reach life-saving support without having to be enrolled in VA benefits or health care. For more information, go to veteranscrisisline.net. That's veteranscrisisline.net. I'm Mike Richmond. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Well, 
Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Sora and Teresa, and we are talking about Pride Month. And one thing that the VA has changed quite a bit over the last few years is its policy in regards to gender-affirming care. Um, we've seen a lot of, of changes and um, you know new rights and policies as far as that's concerned. Teresa, can you talk to us a little bit about some of those changes we've seen? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, let me put it out there. The VA does not provide gender reassignment surgery. Everything else we do. We have prosthetics, we have speech therapy for vocal um, tone and pitch. We have uh, physical therapy for gait training. <clears throat> Excuse me, we have um, hormone replacement therapy for both man to woman and woman to man. We have um, pre-op, post-op, we have prosthetic devices, we have hair removal, uh, wigs um, for uh, those women with uh, male pattern baldness. So there, <clears throat> there is a lot of care. We also will transport to and from the surgery if it's done outside the state. Um, right now, Nevada has a very limited resources on actual gender reassignment surgeries. Um, so the VA will assist with transportation and lodging. Uh, for those that are getting it done outside of the VA, out of their own pocket. Um, there, there's so many things. We also have marriage counseling, couples counseling, um, and a very, we have a dedicated mental health group for um, getting letters, preparing for hormone replacement, letters that are required for pre-op, um, and those, that team is also dedicated with, for the um, suicide prevention, um, depression, things like that as well. So the VA has come so far with their care, um, irregardless of the fact that it's been mandated. Uh, there's uh, the policies 1340 and 1341. Those are the policies that began all of the VA change. And um, those policies have been updated many, many times for it. And right now I know that the VA is in the process of doing, um, uh, forgot the word, they, they are taking audits on um, what kind of doctors would be needed for the surgeries and how many people they feel would be willing to have those surgeries. Once those audits are done, basically, um, then they will go back and decide, well, okay, we will provide it what doctors and where, what what are the costs that we're going to pay for this? So that's basically all we're waiting for at this point in time. Okay. So when veterans are being seen by their provider, um, you know, there's a lot of questions that, that get asked, you know, do you feel safe at home? Things about food security. Um, but one question that comes up is regarding sexual orientation. Um, now, to some people, that may seem like an invasion of privacy, or they feel it's a, it's a little bit too too personal. Why is it so important that veterans are able to be open with their providers about their orientation? Well, the the sexual orientation question comes down to the fact that most people that come into the VA are heterosexual, male, female, couple, um, and those people have been in relationships for quite a while and and you know they've been tested for this or that the the lgbt population they have a whole set of 
diseases that are not so common in the heterosexual population. Um, HIV, um, you've got all your STDs that they could possibly have and things like that. And it's important for the providers to understand this because they will be testing for those. They will be looking into that. They will be more prone to ask about your depression, even though the reminder is not there. They'll ask about your depression. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Because there are unseen medical complications that may be present. But if the doctor doesn't ask those questions or your sexual orientation, they may not be alert to that. So it, it's very important for that sexual orientation reminder uh, to be done um, when it's due and even when it's not due. Um, actually, before this podcast today, I was in a meeting uh, with the uh, national LGBT team and they came out with the percentage of completion rate for that clinical reminder. And Southern Nevada has the highest completion rate. Yes. We are at 72% of that completion rate. So I was very happy. I got goosebumps right now just mentioning <laughs> it fantastic. because <laughs> highest in the nation, Southern Nevada. So that that's how important we take this. That's fantastic. Why do you think that we're so far ahead? Oh, well, a lot of it has to do with uh, just the, the people that work here. The people that work here, they care, you know, and, and I personally have had a lot of training in the individual clinics and, and in the uh, C-Box. What is the best way to say this? What is the best way to not get yelled at by the veteran when you ask them what their orientation is? A lot of veterans will say, well, why the heck do you want to know that? Well, tell them it, it's for their own health. It, it's to better their health care. And with the trainings, you know, it, I've figured out the easiest way to ask. You know, you ask them, are you married or are you dating? And if they say yes, well, are you dating a man or a woman? It's done. That's all you have to do. So very simple, very easy, and not too many people take offense at that. How do you think that, you know, some veterans who have had, you know, maybe they had gone through, you know, the military while Don't Ask, Don't Tell is still a thing, whatever, are, are still hesitant to talk about that. How do you break down that barrier? Well, that is a good question. It's a, it's a hard question. Um, I don't think it's so much as breaking down a barrier. I think it's building that re relationship, you know, because if we, if Soren and I can sit there in front of a veteran and say, you know, I was in the military or my spouse was in the military during this time and, and we know the hardship that people were going through can you tell me about yours? You know, can you tell me how you're feeling right now? You know, do you still feel the alienation? Do you still feel the fear? Because right now you're in a safe space. You see the sign right here? It says safe space. That's what this is here now. So, you know, tell me about it. We, we can help you. And I think it's, you know, going back to Pride Month, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest reasons why it's so important to have Pride Month. It's, you know, partly, yeah, to celebrate, but also to, you know, normalize something that for such a long time was, you know, a stigma. And, you know, to help people to talk about some of those things, you know, you know, I know the LGBTQ community is, you know, it has higher instances of depression and suicide and things like that. And I think if we're going to, you know, do anything to, to combat that, you know, acceptance and, and being open to talking about those things is 
is probably one of the first steps. Yes, I agree. Um, unfortunately, LGBTQ plus communities have a higher risk for suicide, uh, mental health, as well as homelessness, food insecurity. So uh, just having something like a simple rainbow pin or um, allowing them to expand on their stories or their spouse or their caregivers, as well as maybe talking about mine sometimes helps them open up. So that's been helpful to me. And, and you know, with, with veterans already being a community that has such a, unfortunately, a high percentage of homelessness, depression, suicide anyway, um, you know, I, I'd imagine that coupling that with some of the struggles that members of the LGBTQ community go through, I mean, that, that probably makes it even more difficult. Yes. So, um, but we're really excited to, to, you know, enjoy the celebrations that we have going on for Pride Month this, this year. I know that uh, the, the flag unveiling tomorrow is going to be a really cool thing. We'll uh, get some photos of that and, and put that up on social media. And Those will probably be up on social media before this episode even airs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And we it's also, like back to the future. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we also have uh, Wear Rainbow Day on the uh, June 28th to remember Stonewall tragedy, as well as we're also going to have a Provider of the Year Award for LGBTQ community that's going to be announced at the end of the month. Oh, excellent. Okay. And one more time, remind us about the date and times for the town hall. So the town hall is going to be on the 21st on Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And uh, the flag is going to be unveiled tomorrow on the 1st. And then the rainbow day uh, wear is going to be the 28th of June. So for the town hall, just real quick, like who's invited to that? Is that veterans? Is that staff members? Is that you know, what, what are the topics that are going to be discussed? You know, can, can you fill that in just a little bit? So the town hall is mainly focused for the veterans. Veterans come first. Of course, our employees are welcome. Um, they're a huge part of the support. The panelists that's going to be composed of veterans are going to be asked certain questions and they're going to be sharing their stories and their experience. And I think that's very impactful, especially when we're trying to normalize and destigmatize LGBTQ community. Um, I think that's a good way to do that by actually just being vulnerable and open and talking about the stories as well as celebrating and having little trinkets and and giveaways that's going to kind of bring a good positive fun um, atmosphere always nice to have some swag at an event (laughs) yes Well, I want to thank you both so much for, for joining us today, sharing your stories and uh, helping us to, to celebrate the beginning of Pride Month. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And uh, for those listening, thank you very much. And we will see you again in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.